Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome to the second hour of the Garden Hotline. I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly, but right now you can get in line by calling 314 314- 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your questions, concerns, and or comments. And uh, somebody last week, I didn't know the answer to a question, and so, consequently, I was clueless. So somebody emailed me the answer. I'm going to be talking about that uh, a little bit later. But uh, thanks for having me on your show. And uh, Greg will be answering the phone, your first name, where you're calling from, and wish him a happy birthday. So that's all you need to do. How about uh, how your annual's doing? Sometimes there's a uh, speaking of annuals. I got these petunias. I was, you know, I don't normally grow petunias, but this year I thought, you know, I'm going to try to be bold. I've never really been a fan of them. But anyway, so I got some this past week. I got rid of them. They're just. I should have got the new wave or the wave petunias. I didn't. I just wanted to see what would happen with these. The waves are much more bushy and everything else. The ones I got were, in theory, they were hybrids, but uh, they had some kind of weird number or something. Anyway, how about your bulbs? Uh, Speaking of bulbs, I'll be giving you the tip of the trial shortly, and that will give you a chance to get some bulbs. Your edibles. Where to find cool seasoned vegetables? A gentleman called in the past hour. He can't find them anyplace near Jerseyville, Illinois. So he's headed down to Soulard Market to see if there might be some there. House plants, your lawn, your perennials, your roses, your trees, your shrubs, your vines, or your water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is certainly not the only garden path to take. And it's strictly help you consider, you know, on possible options. During the week, I do landscape consulting where I come to your home and do what I call a walk and talk. So I answer questions, problems, aesthetic, or whatever it happens to be. And uh, if you'd like to have a walk and talk, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, the homepage. That's where my email address or phone number is listed. And you can contact me, and I'll come out to your home. And today, I'm headed out to Chesterfield, actually just off Kerr's Mill Road between Clarkson and Clayton Road. So that's always fun to head out to somebody's home. And the tip of the trial, special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me, and it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting. 636-861-3344. Today's tip of the trial goes out to Brightside St. Louis. Brightside St. Louis is having their annual spring bulb sale right now. It's already started. So if you'd like to get some bulbs, they actually have Brightside red tulips, and they have uh, daffodils. They have a you know, mixture of tulip bulbs as well. So you can go to their website, Bright, Brightside, B-R-I-G-H-T-S-I-D-E, S-T-L.org, 
and you can order the bulbs right online, or you can give them a call if you like. So Brightside St. Louis is having their annual bulb sale. So you you buy them now, and then you pick them up in October, or they can actually ship them to your house. Usually I just have them shipped. But, uh, and also to the lady who sent me this information, which for an answer to a question last week, I think her name is Shrum, S-H-R-U-M. But uh, a lady called last week and said she's finding, like, pieces of grass and leaves and stuff like that stuffed up her faucets. And I said, boy, I don't have a clue, you know, what would be doing that. I thought she was probably just, mix, you know, messing with my head, trying to make me insane. No, I'm just kidding. But a, a lady, Mrs. Shrum, sent this to me. It's called, it was actually being done by a grass-carrying, C-A-R-R-Y-I-N-G, wasp. And what they do is... They actually bring pieces of plant material and stuff them into things like faucets or wherever, like tight areas, and then they lay their eggs on top of these pieces of plant. And then when the eggs hatch, what happens? They also then go out and find insects to bring back to feed to the larvae. So it's actually a type of wasp that does this. So it's just kind of amazing that uh, a wasp does that. And wasps are not the same thing as hornets. Wasps are not big colonizers. They're not aggressive. They're very solitary. So you don't have to worry too much about the wasp. But to gee, many Christmas, I wouldn't, you know, I would have thought if you turn on your water enough, you would not get wasps trying to lay eggs in your faucet, outside faucet, of course. But anyway, so that's the tip of the trial. It goes out to Brightside St. Louis and then also Mrs. Shrum for sending me the information on grass-carrying wasp. Whoa, that just uh, totally caught me by surprise, but uh, you never know what's going on in the outdoors. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, and we're going to go to the phones immediately. Let's go to Florissant, and that's where Carol lives. Hi, Carol. Hi. Um, I, I um, am calling about a problem with my roses. Okay. The, um, the boars um, are infecting them, and I have just bought a rose spray. I want to see whether it says it's effective against boars. I want to make sure I know how to do that. Uh, just read the label. So I don't know, you know, what kind of roses is it you have that are boars that are attacking? All right, this is a climbing rose. Okay. And I can see a hole in some of the stems, even though after I cut it, I always put um, a wood um, glue over it to keep the boars from getting in. But in two different spots on this on this climber, it's a beautiful pink climber. Um, and I, I hate to cut, you know, too much off of it. Right, especially this time of year. Right, right. But I, I'm looking at this. Is, just talks about spraying, and I'm thinking that I really would like to spray into that stalk where I see the hole. Basically, you should get a systemic type insecticide. Systemic S Y S T E M I C. What it is. And that insecticide that you mix with water, you pour it around on the root system, it comes up through the root system, and it gets anything that feeds, you know, whether it's feeding on leaves or gets anything that's interior into your rose canes. You know, that, that sounds good. I am using a granular systemic for roses that is supposed to fertilize 
kill insects and uh, disease. Right. But it's not quite doing it. Well, it should be working. I wouldn't be, I think you're being a little bit over concerned with these holes. Hmm. To be honest with you. If the rose looks healthy and everything else, I don't, you know, again, I'm not, you know, familiar enough, I guess, apparently with roses. I don't know of boars attacking roses. I have had problems over the years. Really? With, uh, I can see a, a hole, and if I keep cutting down, I will find some kind of a little, um, oh, type, a worm-type thing. Right, that is a bore. So yeah. just get a flexible wire, very flexible, and then stick it into the hole, and then see if you can get it up through that way. Oh, okay. All right. Good luck, Carol. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Certainly. And now let's go to Ballin and into Karen's yard. Hi, Karen. Hi, Mike. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I have a problem with uh, gnats in my house plants. Um, yeah, I've been driving my husband crazy. Um, <laughs> I hate to get rid of them. I've sprayed some insecticides and a couple other things that they, you know, told me to use. I finally resorted to totally repotting them in fresh soil. I even sprayed the uh, roots, um, and they came back. And right. I've used little traps, you know, what I've, uh, uh, red wine vinegar with dish soap, you know, next to it, and that does catch some of them. Right. But it looks like they came back again. Yeah, the fungus yeah. gnats. Are, I mean, they're very, very problematic. So, I mean, you, they have a lifespan of only about three days. But in most of the insecticides will not kill the eggs. So even if one's been there for a couple of days, it's, you know, it's a female's already laid some eggs, you may kill the adults. You may catch you know, the adults with the traps or whatever it happens to be. But you're just going to have to stay consistent every other day you know, or every day with this, you know, with the f- basically going after them. Do you have one insecticide? I used one that didn't seem to do anything, and I got another one that said it was safe for animals um, and people, but it, I mean, it was so toxic, the smell, I Ooh. had to get the plants out of the house. I don't remember <laughs> the brand name. I, I threw the bottle away. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, it really was making just spraying it once was making us kind of sick to our yeah. stomach. So oh, I don't know man. if you have a brand um, that... Would recommend? No, I would, you know, I would just alternate, just get a small amount of anything that says, you know, can kill fungus gnats on the label and get a couple different ones and alternate. So every couple days? Yes, every couple days. Every third day, these are going to, the eggs are going to be hatching. Okay, even though I uh, totally repotted them in fresh soil. Yeah, you probably missed a few. I mean, some (laughs) of them were, unless you, you know, let's say tasered the root system or something, (laughs) which I'm sure you didn't do. It'd probably kill the plants anyway. But, uh, yeah, the fungus gnats are really a heartache and a hassle. Okay, well, my husband wants me to get rid of the plants, and I relocated them, but I, they're so beautiful. I just they're, They look like a short mother-in-law tongue, but a real full. They've got that same kind of waxy leaves. Right. I have not seen them in, in the stores, so I've propagated these over the last five or six years. So. Wow, so you've got a farm. I do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you so much. Yeah, and then the sticky traps, too, you could try those. I don't know if that, you know, it's like sticky tape that you can just hang close to the plants. Uh, yeah, I did read that online, like, okay. kind of like the fly traps, but I did not try that. So, okay, okay, that will, will help, that. too. Okay, thank you so much. Sure, and now let's go from Ballin over to Chesterfield, which is fairly close, into Molly's yard. Hi, Molly. Hi, Hi. this is Molly. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, I'm a first-time uh, farmer, so to speak. I have a uh, raised garden that my uh, daughter and son-in-law put in for me, and I basically planted um, a bunch of vegetables for my grandsons, Joshua and Jack, who are now truly farmers. They're, they're four and three, 
And we, yeah, oh, they love it. You would not believe how they love it. So we got some corn. We've already um, harvested some corn. Mm-hmm. But it was the strangest corn on the cob I've ever seen in my life. Um, part of the uh, cob was bare. This is white corn. Uh, we planted from seeds. Part of it was bare. Part of it had typical white corn kernels. Right. And then about a third of it had these gigantic white corn corn that was bigger than hominy. And that's what it looked like. Basically, and I can't figure out why, why that's what our yield was. Basically, what happened is there wasn't consistent fertilizing, you know, to get the ears of corn to, you know, to form the way that they should. So it's just... There was no fertilizer. It's an organic garden. Yeah. So, well, then... You're going to, you know, that's going to be tough to get a good, you know, crop of anything, especially corn, which takes, I mean, you don't necessarily have to grow it with fertilizer, but uh, the soil had, it sounds like the soil was okay, but it just said, it's, what that's indicating is it was not consistent and correct amount of nutrients going up through the soil to make the ears of corn correct. That's really strange because we have a thousand cherry tomatoes. Right. Regular tomatoes, broccoli, carrots. But corn beans, is very different. Beans. Yeah, corn is different than all the rest of these things. So so what do I do next year? Skip the corn. Normal corn. Skip the oh, <laughs> I love the corn. <laughs> well, well Yeah, I mean, if you've... You go ahead and try it again. If you have two or three years in a row of the same thing, then I would say skip the corn. Hmm. There's nothing I can do. No, because you say you don't want to fertilize. So no, I don't. I want to keep it organic. I yeah. mean, what do organic farmers do? <laughs> well, they, what do, they uh, do. I mean, they're they have good soil, and I mean, there are organic fertilizers, like you know. So that I mean, every fertilizer is not manufactured necessarily. It may be, let's say, cleaned up and stuff like that. But uh, you know, chicken manure, cow manure, all that other stuff is basically yeah. a fertilizer. Yeah, I've used chicken poop in the past yeah. just for full parts. It's the best. Well, so you think that would be enough? Yeah, it should be. I mean, it's going to be, corn is tough to grow. There's no getting around it. So, well, it's six feet tall. Yeah, I mean, that's, but the fruit is what's important. So anyway, good luck with that, Molly. And uh, let's go now to Lisa. And Lisa is in the city of St. Louis. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Mike. How are you? Good. Hey, I am calling because I have Creeping Charlie in my um, grass at home. Mm-hmm. I called the Botanical Gardens hotline, and they recommend it. You know, you can do a lot of chemicals. Didn't want to do that. So I dug it up, maybe not deeply enough, and so I planted some new grass seed. And now I have more weeds than grass seed. Creeping Charlie's <laughs> gone, but then it's a bunch of other weeds. Right. So what do I have to do? Basically, you know, whenever you stir up the soil – You've got a potential that there's dormant weed seeds that are laying there. So you stir up the soil, you're making it real nice, you put the grass seed there, you're watering it, and the weed seeds go, hallelujah. Yeah. And that's what's happening. So? So, so ba- you know, what you need to do is, if uh, these are broadleaf weeds or are they skinny, like, blade lead weeds? They're not the blade. They're not, they're not the blade leaves. They're just a variety of different kind of weeds. Has the grass already come up? Yeah, the grass did, and there is grass mixed with it. Okay, so... What I would do is just, if the grass has been up for several weeks, go after the, the weeds that have come up with a, like a weed-be-gone type herbicide or herbicide, and then 
doing some another overseeding again in September and another one in October and use a seed starter fertilizer. But you're always it's going to take a while to get these spots to infill. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to do weed be gone on the that area. Right. Like, and then not grass and then not put new seed down until next month. Yeah, right. Exactly. You want a couple of weeks after you put any kind of herbicide down before you put any kind of seed down. Even though in theory it shouldn't impact it, it certainly could. So, so you, you want to get the weeds under control and then wait till, you know, for a couple of weeks after you put the herbicide down to put some more grass seed down with a seed starter type fertilizer. So I just started on a small part of my yard to do this process. So is this the right the right approach? Yeah, I mean this is it's going to be growing, you know, lawn from seed is a long involved process. It doesn't happen with one seed application. It's going to take every May and every September for several years before you're going to get a thick lawn. <laughs> Not one time, huh? Nope. <laughs> Only in your dreams. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. That answers my question. Great. Okay. Hey, thank you. Sure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, folks, if you want to take advantage of the rain that they're predicting for tomorrow, it certainly wouldn't hurt to get your hoses, your irrigation system going to soften the ground so you can get the benefit of the water going deeper into your soil, into your beds, into your lawn, and everything else. That's to the advantage of your root systems. If you're looking for some fall color beyond annuals or beyond, let's say, your cannas or whatever you happen to be growing, there are some perennials that bloom in the fall that are really kind of cool. For a woodland area, there's something called a toad, T-O-A-D, toad lily. For the sunny areas or on the margin part shade areas, there's anemones. There's the sweet autumn clematis, which is a vine, very, very fragrant. Now, I will warn you about the sweet autumn clematis. Once it starts flowering, it's going to take it a couple years to start flowering, that it could produce a whole lot of seeds that may germinate in other areas. But your roses and butterfly bushes are also things that can give you some great color going into late summer and then into the fall. So let's go to Cottleville, and that's where Todd lives. Hi, Todd. How are you? Good morning. Hi. How are you? Good. Uh, I've listened to your show over the years, and I appreciate all your insight on that. It's been enjoyable. Uh, my wife may not fully agree with it because my hobby has turned into an obsession of sorts. <laughs> I have uh, two questions for you. Sure. Uh, first off, um, and maybe it's more of a wish, we just got back from Wisconsin and everything is lush there. And I do take you know great efforts to uh, compost within the soil and you know mulch on top of it where necessary, but. Uh, maybe it's just a desire that uh, I look at it, it's still lush there, and I come back and it's roasted here. Um, maybe it's just a wish that uh, we move back into the, the growing zone five or something like that, but I, that's, that's the easy part. Uh, my real question for you is an update on the gall wasps. Uh, I've heard it over the years on your show about uh, things that can be done or can't be done on that. Right. I've got uh, five mature pin oaks, uh, 40 feet tall approximately, all of them heavily infested with the gall wasps. Uh, I've, learned, I've read into it as far as their you know, growth cycle of going on into the leaves and then into uh, their next cycle in the summer going into the, uh, the wood, uh, the limbs. Right. Um, 
and read about, you know, a drip insecticide, but I'm curious in your uh, opinion on that. Um, is there anything else coming out on that? But uh, I've got five of them that are, you know, dropping balls left and right like I've never seen before. So, Yeah, you know, the, the injection systems, I've not, you know, I've known people that have used them, and it's just I'm not sure that they're effective myself. And uh, but if you'd like, you know, if you want to give it a Moget is one of the companies that does this, you know, that's put into the lower part of the trunks, but it's got to be uptaken through the entire vascular system up to the branches and everything else. And it just uh, to me, it's like you've got these trees are going to have this problem and you're, you know, sort of living with it. But if you want to give the Moget system a call, just get a tree service to come out like Allen's Tree Service and have them do it and just see what you think. It's not going to make them disappear or go away. They're still going to be there at least. Right. You know. So it's just whether, you know, it's kind of like uh, it's like, you know, sort of a roll of the dice. It's like buying a lottery ticket to me. <laughs> Uh, okay. Uh, do you, are you familiar with the, the time frame of when to do it during the season? I, I think the timing is specific on any type of an injection or drip or whatever to get the insecticide up there. Right. Uh, I mean, probably if you, if you can get it done now, because they're still translocating a lot of stuff going up, and it happens all year round. So I would just want to make sure that you have it up into the trees before, you know, let's say next year's you know, egg laying, hatching, and all that other stuff happens. Okay. Very good. All right. So, uh, good luck. I appreciate your insight. Thank yep. you. And then maybe think about getting another type of tree going. Even the white oaks are not impacted by the galls or some of the maples or ash trees or, you know, emerald ash borers. Everything's got its own problems. So, anyway, let's go from Cottleville to Imperial, and that's where Gary lives. Hi, Gary. Hey, how are you, Mike? Very good. Um, Love your show. Thank you always for your help for everybody, I'm sure. Uh, first thing, uh, St. Louis composting. I use a raised garden bed and a Missouri botanical mix with a little peat moss, and I've got tomatoes that I can't even give away so many. Um, there, it's working out amazing this year. This is the greatest year for tomatoes from everybody I hear. Great. Um, second, I have a couple of questions. When can you, how late can you plant zoysia seed? and transplant, like, say, daylilies, uh, forsythia, um, and other types of uh, flowers? The perennials, you can pretty much start doing it now. You can do it all the way up until probably mid to late September. Zoysia seed, I'd be very cautious about getting it into the ground or putting it down now because it may germinate, but I'm not sure the root system is going to get well-established enough before it heads towards dormancy. So I would so, probably... The zoysia seed, I would wait and do it next year, sometime when the regular zoysia lawns are starting to green up. So about about April and May. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, what about uh, zoysia sod? Is it too late for that as well? No, the sod is because it already has an established root system. So you okay. can probably put the sod down as long as the garden centers are carrying it. So I know there's Bears right. Garden Center, you know, very near you in Imperial. Yep. And they are, you know, as long as they have it, then it's probably pretty much safe to get it onto the ground. As long as your beds are, you know, as long as your area is prepared and everything else. Yes, sir. Thank you very much for your help and happy birthday, Greg. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Gary. And let's Bye. go to Florissant and into Mike Chart. Hi, Mike. Yes, sir. Uh, I have two quick questions for you. One is I have some green, evergreen uh, shrubbery that 
runs along the front of my house that has become a little unwieldy. Uh, it's uh, it's too tall, and it's starting to cover the windows. So as a security precaution, I like to trim that back. Is there? A, can you do that any time of the year? What's the best time? You can do it. You can do it any time of year. You should turn your radio down. But uh, you can do it any time of year. But uh, it's better to get it done, you know, soon. So the the let's say the needles that are going to be exposed due to the pruning can get acclimated to virtually sunlight and everything else. So if you can get it done, if you want to do it now, I'd probably not necessarily do it now because we don't know how it kind of scorching heat, the intensity of the sun. I'd probably wait until mid September before I would do it. And then you have from mid-September all the way up until, let's say, sometime around Valentine's Day of next year. Okay, that's fine. And the other question I have is not really concerning plant material, but it's uh, I'm not sure what kind of backyard pest I have. But have you ever encountered um, something chewing through red plastic gasoline containers? I've had this going on for a couple years, and it seems like uh, it. I don't know if it's squirrels or what, but they're ruining these uh, gas cans just by chewing holes in them. Have you ever experienced anything like that? Never anything. Never even heard of it. So no, can't offer you anything. I guess storing them in some place where the whatever's doing it can't get to them. That's probably your only option. That makes sense because I usually just leave them underneath the back porch under a tarp with the lawnmower. <laughs> but, uh, right. So whatever's doing it, yeah, I'm surprised you wouldn't see them dead because if they chew through it, I'm assuming they're getting some gas, and that would kill them. So there uh, would be some, should be some animals laying there. Uh, I've never encountered that, but like I say, for years, uh, I don't know if they do it over the winter when the cans are empty, but when right. I go out in the spring or summer, and I always find holes. Right. Well, Gray Mike, good luck with that. Now let's go to Margo, and Margo is in Afton. Hi, Margo. Hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I have two things. I have an azalea that's about two and a half feet in diameter and a hydrangea that's about 18 inches in diameter, and I want to move them. Can I do that? Yeah, I get it done as soon as possible. Get oh. it to, you know, get them water the night before. Get them, you know, get the area that you're going to move them to, get that soil prepared, and then get them moved as fast as you can. Oh, okay. Great. I will do that today then. Yeah. And then after you move them, make sure that for the first week or two after you, you know, have relocated them, that you're, you're going to make sure they don't go through any kind of dehydration. So water them. Okay. Okay. Great. And even if the hydrangea is blooming, will it stop the bloom? Yes, it could interrupt it. Okay. And probably you're better off to cut off the blooms. Oh, okay. Because okay. that's going to just stress it more. Now, you don't have to do it right now. You can wait you know, a little bit later, mid-September, if you want. Okay. And it, they'll, they'll have enough time to get established? Right, because they still will have the soil is still warm, so the soil, the soil will stay warm probably all the way up until, like, say, Thanksgiving or something like that. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Certainly. Good luck with that. And uh, like I said, whenever you plant them, make sure that the top of the root ball, 
that your moving of the azalea or the hydrangea is higher than the surrounding ground in case there's any settling. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, to the phones we go. John lives in Lee May. Hi, John. Good morning, Michael. I got, you and I talked about anthuriums earlier this year, and I'm just now getting around to transplanting this thing. When I lay that on its side and separate those, like you said, Mm -hmm. I noticed that below the green upright stems, there's sort of like uh, hard stuff below that. Right. So does that, that hard, bristly, sort of palm-looking stuff go down in the ground? Definitely, yes. I mean, you can, it doesn't necessarily have to go into the ground because you want to plant them a little bit higher, but you want the soil to go up and cover that. Yeah, yeah to at least cover that rough part. Exactly. Well, I'll be darned. I guessed right. <laughs> See, you're smarter. You'll be doing the garden hotline another week or two yourself. Not a chance. You're the master. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Yep. Let's go over to Collinsville now into Gail's yard. Hi, Gail. Hi, Mike. Um, first of all, I needed to uh, make a comment about something and then have two questions. Okay. Um, this Earlier this year, I had called you about cutting down some hollies and barberries, and you said don't cut any more than a third of the wood off. Right. And that's what we did, and you should see them. They're beautiful. Great. And uh, this uh, this winter, can we cut a little more off, maybe another four inches to make them a little bit shorter? Would that be okay? Uh, I would probably wait until we come out of winter, the severe part of winter, because if you cut them going into winter and we have a severe, severe cold snap, you could get more killed off than what you anticipate. So wait okay. until, you know, after the first, let's say mid-February, then do the pruning before the new growth begins. Okay, perfect. Okay, my two questions. Um, we want to put out some pre-emergent. When is the best time to do that for annual bluegrass? Basically, it's, we- since it's a cool season weed, like henbit and several others, you want to do that mid to late August. Okay, so it's time. Right. Okay, um, and the second question, kind of related to that, um, we want to put compost out throughout the whole yard, uh, which we get from the St. Louis compost. Right. And will that interfere with the pre-emergent at all? No. Okay. Pre-emergent okay. Va- virtually you know, creates, a, put the pre-emergent down first, put the compost on top of it. Oh, okay. In that order. Well, that'd be good because we wouldn't put the pre-emergent out till later in the fall. And right. The, I mean, the compost and the pre-emergent needs to go now. Right. Okay, I mean, you can perfect. wait for a couple of weeks, but uh, you want to get it done before the end of August. Okay. Okay. Sounds great, Mike. Thanks for your help. Certainly. And let's come back to this side of the river into Fenton, and that's where Sam lives. Hi, Hi Sam. Hi. Hey. hey. Um, I was just calling in to comment on a previous caller who had an issue with fungus gnats, and oh. I had a I had a very similar issue with a, an African violet that I inherited from my mother, and I I used every spray I could find to kill them off, and I finally looked online and ordered some nematodes, some beneficial nematodes. I just got a really small amount mm-hmm. of them. And I mixed it into the top of the soil. I even mixed it into a plant that I had that requires a, a lot of moisture. And so I mixed it into the top of both of those. And within two weeks, the fungus gnats were gone. 
even if I brought them in, you know, on onions or bananas or anything else, they it's been years and I have never had another issue with them. Well, great. Well, thanks a lot. Thanks, thanks for calling. You're welcome. And now let's go to DePair into Patchard. Hi, Pat. Hi. Um, I have a question regarding the, um, I, I assume it's a Bermuda grass. It somehow got into my yard and the patch, it's got these runners. It's tried to take over a large area. I right. used um, Roundup on it and um, actually after several weeks, it, the grass started growing again. Right. So the, you, I guess you got to dig out the root system. To be honest with you, you should get an herbicide specifically for killing the Bermuda. Oh, and what is that? Well, there's one variety, there's one type called Acclaim. But mm-hmm. people have tried the Roundup, they've tried digging. A gentleman, Charlie, two doors down from me, he's been battling Bermuda for a long time. He did everything. Now he's finally, he went to uh, Hummert Sea Company, which is out in Earth City, and got the acclaim, and then consequently his Bermuda grass is starting to you know, get killed and not coming back. Oh, okay. And then um, after that, how long do you have to wait to put grass seed or whatever down? Basically, you, you know, read the label, but it'll tell you, but it's going to take you know, a couple weeks, but you've still got a long time to be able to put grass seed down. Okay. Okay, very good. Thank you. Yep. And Debbie from Edwardsville, how are you? Hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I lost about a 100-year-old uh, maple tree here in the storm two weeks ago Ooh. and had a lot of hostas in the backyard. I had a lot of hostas in my backyard. Right now, there's one section of hostas. It's an old-fashioned hosta. I don't even know the name of it. It's just a dark green solid, not variegated. And... Of course, it's getting all sunburnt right now. Right. I was wondering, do you think they'll have a chance next spring, next summer, uh, coming in so they can kind of get used to the sun, or do you <laughs> think they're <laughs> toast, <laughs> literally? <laughs> no. <laughs> they won't. I mean, they'll come up, they'll look fine until the sun gets really intense, and then they're going to get sunburnt again. Okay. So yeah, it's so. just like you, you know, at the end of winter, if you go to a swimming, you know, you start going to the swimming pool and you don't put anything on screen-wise, no, shading-wise, you're going to get sunburned, and that's what is going to happen to the hosta. Well, that's exactly what my four-year-old son, uh, grandson just said. Let's spray <laughs> some sunscreen on it. <laughs> well, he's smart. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for the information. Yep. Thanks to everybody for calling in today. I greatly appreciate it. Again, you know, we things have been really, really dry. Now, we've had some days of rain. So if you can or you do have the opportunity, go out there and put on your irrigation system, run your sprinklers to get the ground soft. So if it does rain, you can get that going into the ground. That's really, really important because you want it to go deeply into your soil. And thanks to everybody for calling in. Sorry I couldn't get to everyone. But uh, you know, I, hopefully I'll be back next week. You never know, though. Maybe they'll uh, spray me with Roundup and say, get rid of that guy. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. See you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.